Hi everyone, welcome to The Prof Talks, a brand new podcast brought to you by YouPerform, the UK's leading sports nutrition brand. My name is Professor Greg White, OBE, Olympian, sports scientist and co-founder of YouPerform. We all set goals and have things that we want to achieve, and we all face challenges, trials and tribulations in the pursuit of these goals. Nothing good comes easy. In my book, Achieve the Impossible, I explore this idea with real-world examples from my work with the likes of David Williams, Davina McCall and John Bishop, supporting them on their epic comic and sport relief challenges. This podcast is an extension of that. So join me as I'll be chatting to various guests who have all achieved the impossible and who will be sharing their secrets to success with you. Every episode promises to give you helpful and actionable insights to motivate and inspire you to achieve your goals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode, another special episode of the Prof Talks, where instead of Greg asking the questions, we are putting our questions, your questions, to the Prof himself, put him in on the spot, adding a little bit of an extra challenge. So today we're talking about how to achieve the impossible. Now, for anyone who's familiar with Greg, you'll be very familiar with the work he's done with a number of charity challenges, charity celebrity challenges, where he's taken people who would probably think they're not particularly fit, and they've done some incredible things, all in the name of charity. But not only that, Greg has decided on his own back to do some pretty incredible challenges for himself. So Greg, big question for you. How do we achieve the impossible? Oh. That's a hell of an intro, by the way. I mean, Nelson Mandela coined it uh, beautifully, and that and that was that it's only impossible until it's been achieved. Uh, and I think it's absolutely true. Is I think that sometimes what, what we do is we, we coin things. You know, we love to coin things. Oh, it's impossible. That'll never happen. There's no way you can do that. And I think actually what, one of the key factors for us as individuals is that invariably it's the people around us who reinforce that you know i'm thinking about doing that particular event or that particular race or or that particular challenge uh, and obviously as, a, as an individual personally you are stretching yourself and you're pushing yourself and and at the back of that you're sometimes thinking to yourself is it possible can i do this and then of course if you've got people around you then layer on top of that the, the the idea that oh it's impossible you'll never be able to do it what they do is that reinforces that idea and so invariably most great challenges are lost at the first hurdle which is actually entering you know committing to actually doing them so, so i think i think to some extent you know achieving the impossible is actually about taking that first step i think it, and that's the most important step is actually committing to taking on the challenge um and then obviously being successful uh, in that challenge is is something slightly different in the sense that that requires a whole host of you know all this stuff that we will talk about i'm sure but things like planning and, and teamwork and all of those type of things but i think generally i think you know if somebody tells you it's impossible then i always look at that and think do you know what in that case it's the right it's the right challenge to take on yeah because it means that people will respect it and so, uh, so I, I, to some extent, I turn that around. Think, you know, what it's a positive. If people turn around and say oh, it's easy, well, yeah, <laughs> you it's think, not what's the point? What's the point of doing it? So I think you know, and it's it's the use of that word impossible. I think I think you know, the bottom line is that if it was impossible by definition, you absolutely would never be able to do it. Uh, I think that what it is is that, that that invariably what we do is we coin things as impossible 
when actually they're only impossible until they've been achieved. Yeah. And when we talk about this idea of a challenge or a high performance, this is a very different, this appears very differently for very different people. And is that first step going to be then different for those different people? 100%. I mean, it, it, it's a very personal thing, a challenge. It sort of comes in three areas, really. One is this idea that, that somehow what we've got to try and do is achieve what elite athletes, full-time professional athletes achieve. Well, that simply is not the case, you know. I mean, it depends on, we're just chatting about this, that age, you know, how old you are. I'm, I think, almost treble your age. I wouldn't do yourself a disservice. It's about double. <laughs> it's about that, double. You're doing okay. <laughs> This morning, it feels like that. Uh, there, there are clear sort of limitations, particularly in terms of, of, of things like time. I, I think distance is, is something very different to that. Um, but certainly in terms of, of, of things like power output and so therefore speed and therefore time, I think does change with, with things like age and obviously gender and, and a whole host of other factors. Obviously, what's crucial is, is your own personal background. Where have you come from? What have you done thus far? And I think, you know, I, I always sort of coin... The, the new year's resolutions in, in this area because I, I, invariably i mean the vast majority of news resolutions go no further than 21 days the average period of time to give up on a news resolution 21 days and i think much of that is actually based around the planning um it's about it's about the goal itself you know that, that you're, you're selecting a goal and then having selected that goal the way that you structure how you're going to achieve that goal around it is 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 where the failure occurs it's actually not you it's actually just the planning that goes into it. So I think, you know, if, if, if you've never run before, then your first goal shouldn't be a marathon, albeit the sort of public perception would be, if you're a runner, you've got to run a marathon. That's the only thing that counts. Well, it's absolutely untrue. We just recently published last week some, some of my best work, I think, on exercising cancer. Uh, and I've done a lot of work in cancer and cancer prehab and rehab uh, in recent years. And one of the things that we often use for, for rehab uh, cancer patients is the, the 5K. So we, we, we gradually return them back to 5K. Now, let, let me tell you, once you have gone through chemotherapy, radiotherapy, surgery, uh, it, a 5K is, I mean, it's an ultra marathon, you know, in, in terms of what you are looking to achieve, that pinnacle. So I think it's very much about making sure that you select a, a challenge, which is, and other factors with it, but make sure that it is achievable albeit it, it might take a huge amount of work and planning and commitment and motivation but it should be achievable but i think the one thing that underpins all of it is actually choose something that matters to you i think i've spoken to so many people so many clients over the years who said oh yeah i want to run a marathon and my first question to them is do you like running and i would say in a good half of cases they say do you know what i hate running it's like, well, why you take we? You're only doing a marathon because that's what people recognise. You know, when you go down the pub for a pint, you know, think about a challenge that matters to you, uh, and in doing that, you're much more likely to be successful. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's about sort of looking back at what you've potentially already achieved or what you've not achieved, and then finding what's going to add most value to to that journey in the future, and yeah. that kind of informs the way we're able to then motivate ourselves to, to undertake that challenge. Do you, do you agree with that? 100%. And I think it, it is. The, and what you coined there is something that I speak an awful lot about. And that is this idea that, that I think a lot of people think motivation is intrinsic, that you are, you're, an, you're a motivated person or you're not a motivated person. When actually motivation is created, 
the structure, you know, the goal that you set, the structure of the, the training that you place around it, all of that then drives the commitment that is required to deliver success. And then with the right structure, you've got these short-term goals. As you reach those short-term goals, all of a sudden you start to see success. And of course that success then drives motivation. So it is, so it's, it's self-generated with the right approach. And I think that, that, that's the key to remember it. And of course, if you are taking on a challenge that, that at least at the start, listen, I, you know, some of the big challenges I do, if you ask me if, I, if I'm enjoying it halfway through, <laughs> the answer is probably gonna be no. But, but the, I think the point is that it has to be something that really does matter to you. That's to be a reason for it. I, I often call it the central motivator. And, and there, are, there are different ways of, of, of structuring that. It doesn't have to necessarily be the challenge itself. So the, the modality of the exercise, whether it's swimming, running, triathlon. Um, but I think there has to be a reason to be doing it. And, and, it, and for me, the great thing is charity is a wonderful central motivator, is that you are doing it for a very good reason, that to, to improve the lives of people much less fortunate than yourself. And, and there's, uh, to my mind, there's nothing more powerful than that. Um, but having that structured within uh, those goals does move that impossible into the possible. Yeah, and I just want to very quickly sort of touch on those sort of charity challenges, because what a lot of people might not realise is you haven't just been the coach, for example, or the advisor for these people undertaking your challenges. More often than not, you've been doing it side by side with them the whole time, which is incredible in and of itself. So do you want to sort of just touch on a few of those experiences, what it was like for you? to continue to inspire and motivate these people to do these challenges whilst you yourself potentially are suffering just as much alongside them. <laughs> suffering more sometimes, I tell you. Oh, okay, <laughs> suffering yeah, more. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean it's, it's an interesting one. You know, my job is, is one of two things on, on the big sort of charity challenges that, that I work on. I've worked on 36 of them now. Um, I always say there's two things that, that my job is. Number one is to get from point A to point B to the finish. There, there is no success until you pass the finish line. So if it's a five-day challenge, there's no success in getting to day two. If, you, if you're climbing Kilimanjaro, there's no success getting to 4,000 meters and then not making uh, summit day. You know, so it is about getting to the end. But then I think crucially on top of that, and, and incredibly importantly on top of that, is to do that safely. And my job is to make sure that, that, that they remain safe throughout that um and the charity challenge are always the interesting ones i think because it, it, there are lots of things that i can create for people um uh, in, in that sort of training process and the structure and all those things we've just spoken about but the, the one thing that's very difficult well, one thing you can't do is give people experience um and and experience is so very important for a whole host of different things you know, very simply for things like pace judgment you know, how quick do I go? What, what do we do on day one? It's a five-day challenge. How quick do we go on day one? Well, making sure that we're at the right pace on day one is crucial to, to how day five looks, if it looks uh, possible at all. And then it's things like hydration and nutrition, making sure that you're on top of that on a continual basis, make sure you're refueling. Um, the experience of recovery post-exercise, post, post, you know, if it's a multi-day challenge, post-day recovery optimizing that in preparation for the following day um, and, and and i think also just an experience i think one, one of the key experiences we've touched on this a number of times but but it, I, every great challenge is has its misery you know the, the challenge is often in here um, where it just does become really arduous and really tough and, and actually 
if it was easy, it wouldn't be worth achieving anyway. So it is difficult. But actually managing that takes experience. If you've done it before and you've been there before, you sort of know, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas I'm sure all of us, you know, anybody who listens to this has, has done a, a, just a, a piece of exercise before and you get halfway through and you think, oh, how am I going to get the second half? You know, how am I going to keep going? And that that's where the experience comes. Um, but sort of going to your other point about doing it with them, it is, I mean, it can be brutal. I mean, particularly things like cold open water. Uh, critical thing about swimming cold open water is making sure you generate heat because you're losing it. Uh, cold water, for example, is 25 times more conductive than air. So what that means is it strips heat off you so rapidly. Uh, so it, obviously there are multiple ways that you can try and combat that. One is at the, the output end. So you can increase subcutaneous fat, so just get a little bit larger. Uh, you can wear equipment, so things like wetsuits, you know, neoprene caps, gloves, booties, etc. Um, but at the other end of the spectrum, what you can do is just swim faster. <laughs> and if you generate more heat, you can maintain uh, core body temperature a little bit better. Uh, but the problem is that when I'm swimming alongside these guys, invariably they're, they're swimming, you know, I mean, a, a quarter, uh, 20%, 15% of my maximum pace. Um, and so therefore I'm not generating any heat at all. So, so whilst they are actually working really hard and actually generating the heat that's required to maintain it, effectively what I'm doing is just constantly cooling and cooling and cooling. Particularly, you know, I, I remember some training sessions me and David Williams did in some just brutal conditions. Remember, we met in uh, December up in Newcastle. We had a, a two-hour swim in the North Sea. When we got in the water, we actually cracked the ice on the beach. Obviously, the sea's not iced over because it's saline. Um, but it was, you know, and in those environments, oh, it is a fight, a mental internal fight uh, to keep going. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. And to some extent, I guess that's why I love it, because it really is, it's not a challenge for me going at that pace, but it, it is a challenge physiologically going at that pace. And so therefore there is a real challenge built into it. I think what's probably true in those sort of situations is when you're doing these challenges, say with David Williams, when you're swimming the channel and, and the Thames, for example, your experience and your suffering alongside him was probably quite motivating for him knowing, do you know what, it's just as hard for Greg as it is for me. So you sort of collectively in that sort of team environment can kind of achieve it together. And would that sort of be true for less experienced people who are looking to take on a challenge? Find no, a group like... of people to do it with who are more experienced or who you trust. And you can kind of go through that journey together, take those first steps and those success story steps along the way together. Yeah, two different points there, I think. I think that the interesting one is that on the first point, about you know whoever I'm working with, people say to me, how, "How fit do I have to be to work with these guys?" I would say that probably I have to be tenfold fitter. Uh, my job is not to look tired. Uh, if I'm looking tired, we're all in trouble. You know, and I think actually that that reflects really heavily on on the guys that I'm working with because what they're expecting is is for I'm I'm supporting them. I'm not. I'm, I don't require any support from them in order to, to, to keep doing what I'm doing. And so actually, I think it, from, from that perspective, I think it's actually really important that uh, is that, that when I'm helping them, I'm helping them constantly. My, my job is to support them on a continual basis. So therefore, you know, I shouldn't, I, I certainly shouldn't outwardly be showing any struggle whatsoever, uh, which hopefully I never do. Um, 
I think that you picked up on a really interesting word. So I think anybody who's thinking about doing this, I think that actually having having somebody with that experience as part of their team is really valuable. Um, but the, the word that you use, I think, is the word that has, I would say, that personifies the 36 challenges that I have ever done uh, from a sort of high-profile celebrity challenge perspective, and that is trust. Is that what what all of the challenges do is that they trust me implicitly to make sure that, that number one, I'm going to get them to the finish line. And also, and most crucially, is I'm going to keep them safe in doing that. So I think, you know, anybody taking on a big challenge, I think there is a real value in having somebody who has got experience uh, of doing, it doesn't have to be the, that challenge, or, or, but similar challenges, that type of, of challenge can be really valuable. Um, but, but in choosing that individual, you have to make sure that you trust them implicitly. Uh, and that that relationship sort of works both ways, but it's really very, very important in terms of, of delivering success. Yeah, I'm really glad you agree with that and sort of finding that trust in another person so they can help you identify what those little points of success look like. Because success along those journeys doesn't have to be going from zero to marathon. The, the, the little successes in the middle that inform your motivation and keep you going and pushing to that next level could be simply just going for one run a week. And that could be to the end of the street and, and back to your front door again. And so it's just about finding someone who can help you recognize that and maybe yeah. even do it, do it with you, just like you were sort of taking on challenges with your celebrity counterparts. What, what you're pointing out is goal setting. And I think that's why goal setting is, so it, goal setting is integral to success. I mean, it's absolutely crucial. Uh, and I think that that, that progressive approach uh, and, and, you know, I mean, obviously, it, 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 you know, you can read about it in one of my books, but the, the, the way that you structure goals is really important that make that they're timely and they're achievable and, and all of these things. Um, but I think actually making sure that you've got those short term goals set so that actually there is a, a really nice, obvious and achievable progression through it is absolutely crucial to, to success. Completely agree. And just to sort of bring back a little bit. Which celebrity challenge? Okay, I'm just gonna put, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Which one was the <laughs> hardest? The hardest for you and for the and the celebrity or celebrities involved if it was a group challenge? Wow. Um, God, you know, it's, it's an interesting question, really, because I mean, I, I, the, the one thing I love about the challenges that we've done is that they are proper challenges. They're not. This is not TV manufactured challenge and we'll let's make it look really hard here and, and we'll inject some fake jeopardy to make it look like they're really hurting but what you see is what you get you know and, and they are all brutal and to some extent that they are sort of designed around the challenger so you think someone like uh, joe brand what i mean what a legend joe was she walked from hull to liverpool um which was in actually about this time of year, because most of them weren't this time of year, and the storms that we're getting today were actually similar to the storms that we had in those days. We watched, we went over the highest point in England, and we watched a juggernaut being blown off the road. The winds were that strong. Um, and, and for her, that was a, you know, a massive challenge. So, so these challenges are very personal. Um, but I think for me, my personal perspective I think probably the toughest challenge was David Williams swimming the Thames uh, the channel was something else but so I just want to draw on one of the challenges that stood out to me the most and that's probably swimming the Thames because most people look at the Thames and go it's not nice even on a boat let alone getting in it <laughs> and swimming from end to end so what on earth drove you all to decide that this was going to be the challenge and why did you choose to get involved 
I th- you know, I think uh, the interesting thing about these challenges is that, that, that you know, as we started our conversation, it is about what is impossible. And you sort of look, swimming the length of the Thames, I mean, the, the Thames itself in total length is 205 miles, but uh, you're not allowed to swim uh, for the vast majority of the of, of what they call the tidal Thames. So the Thames is split into two. One is the upper Thames, uh, which is governed by the Environment Agency. And then you've got the tidal Thames, which is from Teddington Lock uh, out to the out to the um, which is the Port of London Authority. Um, and, and so we couldn't swim the whole distance. Um, so we chose 140 mile length of it, starting at the navigable, start at what's called the navigable Thames. So basically where boats can start, it's deep enough to swim. So, you know, firstly, it, it sounds impossible. Um, and that was 20 miles a day for seven consecutive days. So I mean, it's swimming the channel every day for seven, because it is iconic, which I think is really important that people can immediately think about it think about the Thames you know the icony of it tells you it's going to be really really tough Um, and and then then I think because because of both of those things actually it means that the most important thing about these challenges is that you can raise an awful lot of money for people less fortunate ourselves you know and so that's really what sort of drove it Um, but it was I mean it was a a war of attrition I mean it is something else I mean it is the the upper Thames to some extent well the upper Thames is actually relatively clean we've got now problems with with uh, sewage being pumped into it on a regular basis and, and those sort of things which bring some pretty poor headlines to the water quality um but it's it, it's an it's it's a, a really interesting route I think that the, the one thing that I found about the, the route uh, swimming it is that there's really very few people that you see <laughs> as you go up it amazing group of people uh, sort of saw us off at Letchlade but then you are literally through the countryside for a good 70 80 miles uh, before you start hitting the sort of bigger conurbations of places like um, Oxford and uh, Reading and Oxford and Marlow and, and Henley and those type of places um, but it was yeah it was something else I mean on, on average, we're sort of in the water for about 14 hours a day. I mean, it, it takes its toll, really takes its toll. And it took its toll on David. If you haven't seen the documentary, definitely worth a watch, particularly on day three as we came into Abingdon, uh, when David's diarrhea and vomiting. Um, and he was in a really bad way. <laughs> well, I pushed him in the water the following day. But yeah, I mean, tough. I mean, a tough, a tough challenge all around, really tough. Yeah. And everybody watching it completely agrees. You know, I, I'm an experienced open water swimmer. There is a limit even for me, you know, and, and it's even well before getting in the Thames is my limit. If it's, if it's under 20 degrees, I'm sitting there going, mm, that's probably a bit cold, but that's just me. So that's certainly a challenge that people can relate to, uh, obviously at an extreme end. So I just want to bring it back and go, okay, you've been through this, you've helped people, you've done it yourself. What are your number one tip, maybe even top three tips to help people set a challenge, start that journey and then achieve it? Whether that's a short term um, challenge, whether it's a long term challenge, what are, what are your top tips for people? Wow. Um, I think top tip number one is enter. Yep. I think it, it, it's the first stumbling block. I think it's, it's one of those things that, that we, you know, it, it's very easy to talk about doing a big challenge. Um, it, it, but that rhetoric never delivers success unless actually you enter the challenge itself. So I think, you know, the first thing to do is actually enter. And by entering, I mean, it, it, obviously some of these challenges, are, you know, some of the challenges I do aren't necessarily organised events. Um, I think by, by entering, what I mean is tell everybody you're doing it. So tell everybody you know 
that you are taking on this challenge. And now that's a really scary thing to do, but I tell you what, it, it does create a fabulous motivation um, <laughs> because now everybody knows you're taking on this challenge. And the interesting thing is that invariably people you haven't seen for a little while. So I was training going for you know, the challenge that you're taking on. And so therefore what that does of a, of a morning, when you wake up in the morning, you think I can't be bothered. Actually, in the back of your mind, you think, gosh, someone's bound to ask me today how the training session went. Um, and that, that sort of runs into a second, but, but sort of similar tip. What we do in our house um, is, is what we'll often do is put the training program uh, in a public place. So on the fridge or on a, on a cupboard door. And then with each of the training sessions, you tick it off. And it's actually a really wonderfully motivating process, satisfaction of ticking these things off. You deliver your own success by saying a bit session done, fantastic. But also people who, well, the family in the house and then people who visit the house look at it and they will you know, look at it and say, wow, my God, you know, how much training are you doing? Look at that session there, that looks brutal. And all of a sudden that sort of builds that confidence that you're doing the right thing. So I think, I think entering and making sure you tell everybody I think is, is a really important part of, 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 uh, of, of success in that challenge. I think the next real tip is, is the, I coined these little sort of phrases, but success is not a chance event. It's not just going to happen by osmosis. You have to plan it. And I think that planning process is really, really important because what it does is, it, as well as setting things like the goals, which are crucial to that, it's actually planning the training that's required it's making sure that you you bring together a team so you, you get the right people working with you. And, and having identified that team, it's also important that you bring the team together and make sure the team can operate successfully, not only with you, but actually together. Because fractions, and it's interesting on some of the challenges we've had, you know, the, the fractious nature of teams working together can really have an impact on the challenger. So making sure the team operates uh, successfully. And I think outside that, perhaps, the third tip is probably less of a tip but more of a sort of a, a psychology and that is it it will come to an end you know and and i think often to me you know we often talk about motivation motivation is really important to some extent the first quarter is is relatively simple you've done all this training everyone's excited away you go the final quarter albeit you're incredibly fatigued, it is easier because actually you're, you're close to the finish. You can see the finish. You can, you can taste that success. It's the middle section where it's really, really tough. That's where it gets really tough because it's at that point you think, can I keep going? How much further to go? Am I going to make it to the finish? All of those things. And I think it's at that point where the important thing in the back of your mind is just keep telling yourself, it will, you will finish and it will finish. And it is wherever the modality is, one foot in front of the other, it's one arm stroke in front of the other, it's one turn of the pedal uh, after another. And, and instead of thinking about the, the enormity of the challenge, just think about the present, think about the next five minutes, think about the next mile, the next, you know, the next uh, 10K, whatever it is, dissect it down into shorter, more manageable goals. And from a motivation, from a psychological perspective, it just seems that much more achievable. So keep going because you will get there. Yeah, and this is something I can relate to as a competing athlete myself. I race over a shorter distance triathlon than most people would generally like to take as a challenge, for example. And as though, although I love every single minute of it, because that's why I get up at six o'clock every morning to go swimming and running and cycling. There is points in those races where, you know, the gas is on. 
I'm up against some of the best athletes in the country of my age. We're sort of going hell for leather around this racetrack. And I go, do you know what? This isn't easy because nothing good ever comes easy, but it is going to finish. You know, I've just got to get through this next bit of the, this next lap on the bike, this next lap of the run, chase down that person. Don't let the person behind me chase me, but then it will finish. And, you yeah. know, that's kind of become a, a quite a constant mantra for me when I'm competing. And it's something that I speak to a lot of people who are looking to get into triathlon or looking to just sort of do some physical activity a little bit more often than normal. It's just going, it, it, it's fun at the end of the day, and it, but it will be hard, but it will yeah. end. And it's just yeah, sort of yeah, constantly sure. reinforcing in the back of your mind, one foot in front of the other. Make sure that it's their feet, not in front of mine in particular. I'm very, very competitive, <laughs> which I guess is another motivator again. You know, it, it's not always about achieving something necessarily just for the achievement's sake. You know, I'm pushing myself for myself. Sometimes there's an element of that competitiveness that will drive you. Um, it's obviously not our 100% recommendation for your 100% source of motivation, but it's fuel to the fire that every day you can kind of build in that competitiveness that reinforces that drive to succeed and sort of push yourself yeah, it's, to it's be it's better. It's an interesting one that, I mean, I've got, I've got three young children um, and they will, they will roll their eyes as I say this to you because I say it to them. <laughs> Um, but I, but it's something I absolutely believe in, and and I always you know whatever they're doing, you know they, they obviously do plenty of sport and all sorts of other stuff. And the one thing I always say to them is, look, there's only one thing, only one thing that you have to do, and that is give it a hundred percent, and that is all you can do. And I think you know my worry, particularly when I watch elite sport uh, nowadays, I think you know there is that sense that unless you win the gold medal, you have failed. And I think that we have to be very careful about that psyche um, because what you then start to do is you start to lose people from sport um, because not everybody can win a gold medal. But there is one thing that everybody can do, and that is that they can give it 100%. And, and personally, what I like to think is whenever I cross the finish line, whether it's a, a major ultra-endurance challenge or whether it's a, a race, is that I, I, as soon as I've crossed that finish line, I reflect on it and think, did I give it everything I've got? And if I did, whether I'm first or whether I'm last is irrelevant because it was everything I had on that day. And so therefore there's nothing else I could have done. And so I think, you know, to my mind, just give it a hundred percent and you will always, always achieve success. Yeah. And success achievement is entirely individual. And that's the most yeah. important thing, isn't it? It's about identifying what you want to do. And in doing that, what's that going to then mean to you? What's that going to add to to your life, to that journey. So that has been an absolutely fantastic chat. Thank you very much, um, Greg. I think there's gonna be a lot of really, really useful tips for people there, especially they're out around sort of finding that motivation and finding trusted people to help drive that to sort of that point of success and you know, success being different for everybody. So cool. thank you very much. We will be back no, very, you, very mate. soon for a, another episode, another slightly different episode of the Prof Talks where we put more and more questions, more and more topics of conversation where we're going to sort of help you to achieve your best, achieve the impossible uh, with the help of one of the world's leading experts, if not the world's leading expert in all things sort of endurance and physical challenge. So thank you very much, Greg. We will see you very, very soon. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Prof Talks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, 
This podcast is brought to you by YouPerform, the UK's leading sports nutrition brand, where every product is targeted at optimizing your recovery, optimizing your performance, and most importantly, optimizing your quality of life. As a thank you for listening in and supporting this podcast, head over to www.u-perform.co.uk to try you perform for yourself and the, and use the code POD20 to get 20% off your next order.